Hello fellow listeners, you are so very welcome back to our fifth instalment of Limelight, one of DCFM's very own flagship radio shows. Myself, Judy Fanana and Claire Young are your hosts and we are here every Wednesday at 5pm to provide you with a weekly digest of what is happening in the world that is arts, culture and lifestyle. So this is our first show back of semester two after a month-long break off the airways and we have some really exciting plans in the pipeline for Limelight this year. So Claire, are you ready? Yeah, welcome back, Trudy. Excited to be back. <laughs> Good to be back. Did you miss the airwaves after a Oh, of- I did. I missed <laughs> them so much. <laughs> we'll get started on our first section, which is our usual um, arts overview of what we have read, watched and listened to in the week. So to move that on a step further, Claire, what caught your eye this week in the world of culture? Okay, so I watched the five-part drama series, Patrick Melrose. It actually came out in 2018, and I can't believe it has actually taken me so long to watch it because it is one of the best shows I've seen in a very long time. The show was based on a series of semi-autobiographical novels by Edward St. Aubin, and the story set over five decades with the titular character, Patrick, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. Have you heard of it, Trudy? No, I haven't heard of that. Yeah, no, it's really good. Like the premise of the show follows uh, wealthy Englishman Patrick from a child and the traumatic effects of his childhood that have stayed with him all throughout his life. And uh, as a result of his abusive father and negligent mother and his se- and the series basically just chronicles his battle with addiction and the events that lead him to spiral out of control. It is a really interesting show to watch because it contrasts the sort of like grandeur of his life because he's quite like wealthy. But at the same time, like in even one episode, he attends a party with Princess Margaret, but with the dark realities of his addiction and childhood traumas. So the series is incredibly stylish as well, like with the fashion and the sets and everything. And I would just definitely recommend it to anyone looking for like a really good drama. And it's only five parts, so it didn't take me that long to watch either. And it was so good. And you said it's semi-autobiographical. Is that what you said? Yeah, because if you looked at the bio, like the actual biography of his life, it kind of has it does have similar sort of stuff that happened. I watched recently the 2016 comedy drama, The Fundamentals of Caring, directed by Rob Burnett. Have you seen that, Claire? Oh yeah, is that the one with uh, Selena Gomez? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I watched that ages ago, yeah. Yeah, I remember when it first came out and I was always like, oh yeah, I should watch that. But I only came across it then on Netflix when I was looking for something to watch. And basically it's based on the 2012 novel, The Revised Fundamentals of Caregiving by Jonathan Everson. And it stars Paul Rudd, Craig Roberts and Selena Gomez. And just to kind of give a quick overview of the plot, basically it follows like a retired writer called Ben, who's played by Paul Rudd. And he undertakes a six week course to become a certified caregiver and then he's hired by Elsa who is a bank office manager from England and he hi- she hires him to care for her 18 year old son Trevor and Trevor is played by Craig Roberts and Trevor is like this really distinct character he's you know sarcastic sardonic he's almost like mm-hmm. a self-absorbed like 18 year old um, and he suffers from muscular dystrophy so he's confined to a wheelchair and he's completely dependent on the care of Ben um, but as much as he's like physically compromised like he retains full cognitive fun- functioning and like his sarcastic wit and cynical ways are like the strongholds of his personality and you definitely got that from him too Claire yeah it's definitely humorous it's like an incredibly indie movie isn't it yeah and it even premiered at like one of the indie festivals as well so it wasn't like a big Hollywood premiere it was like an indie one and it was like uh... it had loads of awards from that um and so basically like the climax or the peak of the movie is when they go on the road trip and he meets Dot who's like a runaway and that's played by Selena Gomez yeah. and that's 
kind of the highlight of it all and kind of it's just such a funny movie and even like if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes ratings it gives a 77% which is quite high because Rotten Tomatoes can be really harsh yeah, like really it's, critical like I definitely recommend it it's a really good film what did you listen to this week? Yeah, so I came across this really good Irish kind of ambient cinematic artist. Her name is Constance Keane, but she goes mm. under the name Fears. And she co-launched her own record label this year with Emily Kendrick. And they have like this co-aim of supporting underrepresented voices in the music scene. This record label is called Tull. And it's run primarily by women and non-binary people. And the label's first release came out only a month ago. It's called Tunta. And it's like, it's so good. It's like this ambient atmospheric track. And it narrates the deep connection of caring for a loved one living with dementia. And in this case, it kind of documents Keane's relationship with her late grandmother. And in the music video, Keane, like, sorry, fears. She's so talented because she like recorded documented and edited the music video herself and there's a series of like ocean waves that comes in in the music video and there's like a some symbolic reference behind it that as each wave hits it like symbolizes the dementia progressing and it can feel like you can't stay above water it's really good like and then there's so much like symbolism in the music video as well like it documents I think it's her mom herself and her sister and they're all dressed in these like gorgeous tall dresses and mm-hmm. there's eight dresses in the music video and fears she made them all herself and like her grandmother would have taught her how to sew when she was younger so like there's so much at play there but it all ties together so brilliantly but we can play fears newest release on our song break and then we'll feature the music video just to give listeners an idea of the talent that's evident there but like I think it's so promising for young and upcoming Irish female artists yeah definitely I think there's like a big movement of that like focusing on even like with the local businesses focusing on local artists as well especially during lockdown Mm, and even if you look back at the late late show that's been airing like since I want to say COVID hit like Ryan Tuberty's put such an emphasis on giving airtime to Irish artists and even on like RT2FM whatever it is like they're just there's definitely such a wave there of new artists coming in yeah, and even the busk, you know, the Dublin busk? Did yeah. you see that episode of the Late Show? It just, like, focused a lot on, like, Irish artists and, like, even Dermot Kennedy was on it, but they're all singing Irish music and it was just really nice. And, yeah, de- like, Ryan Tuberty definitely has put, like, a focus on properly just, like, including Irish artists into a show and that's kind of, like, a good thing that's come out of the lockdown. Um, just to move on, we have a new segment. Um, <laughs> it's a new segment we introduced to Limelight this year and we've called it Motion pictures, best kept secrets. So in this Ooh. segment, I know. <laughs> in this segment, Claire and I will be bringing you the very best unknown facts and hidden knowledge about some of the films we know and love. Mm. So this week we will be discussing the beloved 2004 romance drama The Notebook, directed by Nick Cassavetes, based on the 1996 novel by Nicholas Sparks. And just when I was like thinking about this, Claire, like it doesn't feel like this was released 17 years ago. What? Yeah, I know, 17 years ago. Even when you said 2004, I didn't put it in, together in my head that that was 17 years ago. That does not feel... Well, I guess I was three years old, but it does not feel like that long even. But I feel like that's a pinpoint, like the first time I watched it. And I feel like that it wasn't out that long. I don't know what it is. It's kind of like one of those movies yeah. that kind of the time did frame it, on it. Did it come to popularity at a different stage? Like, did it actually was it popular in 2004 or did it like all of a yeah. sudden boom? In 2004, when it was released, it's it took it like swept up like I think it was a five awards within oh. its release. 
in like only I think it was a year or a couple of months after it was released but I think then when it was put onto Netflix I think it was only put on Netflix maybe in 2018 um definitely Irish Netflix anyways mm. that's when it kind of garnered enough popularity again to kind yeah. of bring the conversation alive but it comes back but, every once in a while doesn't it it does like, yeah kind of yeah it does indeed but it's kind of like one of those I suppose like timeless romance movies isn't it like it's mm. the one people always look to when I think of that but Anyways, we'll get started on some of the facts. So after a good bit of digging, I approved some of the best kept secrets of the notebook. So are you ready, Claire? I'm ready. First and foremost, the novel is based on a true story. So oh. it is based on Nicholas Sparks's then wife, Cathy's grandparents, um, who spent more than 60 years together. And the grandparents were too ill to attend their wedding, as in Cathy's and Nicholas's wedding in 1989. So the newly married couple brought the wedding to them and they dressed up in their wedding um, gowns and surprised them at their house and Cathy's grandparents told Sparks how they met and fell in love decades ago and then parts of this eventually make their way into the novel so it's only like little things like how oh. caring um, Noah is in the movie to uh, Ali but it's little things like that that are loosely based on an actual relationship oh it's so lovely yeah I, that's a, I thought that was such a nice little sentiment like but um the next one and I actually this is one of um, like a shocking one like not shocking but just oh, right <laughs> I'm scared lock factor 100 Claire <laughs> okay a few notable names auditioned for the role of Ali before it was cast to Rachel McAdams so mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon Jessica Beale, Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears all auditioned to play Ali and then the notebook was released shortly after Mean Girls so it was among McAdams breakthrough films oh so could yeah. it have been Jessica Beale played her? Yeah, I think uh, Jessica Beale was kind of the next one to McAdams to be cast for it. But um, and she was apparently really disappointed. She really wanted the role alongside Gosling, but she didn't get it. But I was surprised by Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. Interestingly enough, she was in um back like before she was ever a singer. She was actually in like you know like that Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah, Disney. yeah, she was in in them when she was really young, and she was in that alongside Ryan, Ryan Gosling and other names like Justin Timberlake, loads of like actresses and actors that we know now or singers even. They were all in that together. So like, if Britney Spears was cast with Ryan Gosling, that would have been their first time to be in the same film together after like God, probably like twenty plus years. Could have um, been in the Notebook. Could have been Britney Spears. <laughs> Ryan Gosling didn't have to audition. He was instead cast by the director. So when Gosling was cast, the director famously said to him, I want you to play this role because you're not like the other young actors out there in Hollywood. You're not handsome. You're not cool. You're just a regular guy who looks a bit nuts. <laughs> what? That's a thinking Ryan Gosling's ego, isn't it? Like, Yeah. My God, is he like, considered to be like one of the most handsome actors in Hollywood now? Yeah. He must be very unknown at the time. Like, how long has he been going around? I don't know. I don't personally know what age he is. What? Like, he's been acting for 17 years at least. I feel like, how old is he? I'm going to say, like, 35? I don't know. He's... Sorry, doing a bit of Googling. He's 40! Yeah! Oh my... I would never have said he's 40. Oh my god, I would never have said he was 40. That's crazy. He's the most, like... 25 year old looking 40 year old ever <laughs> yeah he like doesn't age um so then one of the most well-known facts about this film and you'll definitely know this one Claire is that Gosling and McAdams famously didn't get along throughout the film's production oh yeah 
Yeah. So the director told MTV about an incident when Gosling and McAdams weren't especially getting along on set one day. So Ryan apparently approached the director in the middle of a scene with 150 people on looking and he said, would you take her out of here and bring in another actress to read off camera at me? I can't. I can't do with her. I'm just not getting anything from this. So then apparently they went into a room, the director, the producer, Gosling and McAdams, and they were screaming and yelling at one another until they finally resolved the differences. And whatever about that. But what I found most interesting is that they dated in real life for two years after the movie aired before eventually, apparently, you know, I know they ended on good terms and then they rekindled the relationship again in 2008. What? I know two things line up. I know, like, first of all, when they were both cast, from the get-go, they didn't get along. And I don't, I can't see how it was fully resolved, but I think they just kind of had to put the differences aside for the sake of the movie. But then to have a relationship, like, where does that come in, in that series of timelines? When was the turning point like? I know, yeah, it doesn't, like, that one doesn't add up to me. Both McAdams and Gosling underwent intense training programs to perfect their roles. So McAdams took ballet and etiquette classes to perfect kind of the refined nature that her southern character Ali would have had. And then in an interview, the actress said that she also worked with a dialect coach for two months ahead of the movie to get Ali's southern accent to a T. Oh, Hmm. And then as for Gosling, he did an apprenticeship with a cabinet maker before film, filming and he ended up making two chairs that Noah and Ali sit on in the front porch of the house. And he also made the table that Noah and Ali have like a romantic moment on. And he, I think this is kind of funny, but he wanted to keep the table, but it went back to the cabinet maker who he apprenticed, he apprenticed with. So like you have this famous actor who makes, who does an apprenticeship for a film, makes a table and doesn't even get to keep the table like... He wanted the table back, that cabinet maker. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's like, for all the money he made from that movie, like, the table is probably the one thing he would have appreciated more. He has blue eyes in real life, but he had to wear coloured contact lenses to match the brown eyes of James Garner, who plays the older Noah in the movie. And then lastly, this one is most applicable to an Irish audience, but apparently the UK and Irish version of Netflix has a different ending to the original ending people most associate with The Notebook. So, yeah, I know. So when The Notebook went up, I think it was in 2018 on Netflix, people accused Netflix of censoring or editing the original ending out. But then Netflix came back, made a statement saying they were provided with a version of the film featuring an alternative ending to the one familiar to the people in the UK and Ireland. So the original theatrical ending, which screened in Ireland and the UK back in 2004, it features an elderly Noah lying in hospital beside um, Rachel McAdams, Ali. Who has to make... <laughs> Sorry to anybody who hasn't watched this, but we had like 17 years to do it. As she remembers who Noah is for the last time, they kiss and drift off to an eternal sleep to be found dead together the next day um, by nursing staff. But in the version of on Netflix, the scene cuts out as they kiss. And so the final, mo- final moments are replaced by footage of birds flying across the lake (laughs) and I was even thinking like when I saw the statement they made or when I looked at what the original ending was I couldn't remember it like my mind is kind of set on that scene where the birds fly over the lake yeah I feel like I'm like that scene is the scene I know yeah I can't associate the ending with them being found by nursing staff the next morning what is the like widely considered end is it the the first one um yeah the first one where they're found by the nursing staff the next so, morning Irish people think like they don't know what happened and then it's just birds 
<laughs> just birds. <laughs> but um, I don't know if Netflix changed that ending. I I imagine after the uproar, they probably had to. But it's funny, yeah. like how, how can there be just alternate endings to the movie? Like who who makes that decision? <laughs> so we'll go on to our story of the week segment. So each week, both Claire and I pinpoint our chosen story of the week in the world of culture and lifestyle that we believe are worth sharing. So Claire, what is your story this week? Okay, so we can't get through this episode without mentioning the inauguration, which took place like 20 minutes ago. It's a bit late to the party, but anyways. <laughs> I know, anyways. So there has been some conversations surrounding the 46-song playlist that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris released before the big day, which includes songs by Kendrick Lamar, Beyonce, Stevie Wonder, and Dua Lipa's Levitating. So people have responded really positively to the music shows in uh, and the playlist is said to represent the diversity of the nation and the strength and resilience as we look forward to new leadership and a new era in America. So I just feel that this is like a really good uh, feel-good story and people are just really excited to see songs that they love on the playlist. And it's definitely a far cry from the YMCA days of Donald Trump. So Lady Gaga also performed the Star Spangled Banner. She was really involved in the campaign trail, so it makes sense to see her there on the big day. And she wore this like amazing like poofy pink dress and like she she was like coming down the stairs and like the like she just looked amazing the whole thing was amazing and then afterwards Jennifer Lopez did a really good version of this land is your land and she wore this like amazing white suit before Biden was sworn in so yeah a lot for a lot of people that are in the limelight it was the first time they came out and fully declared who they were going to support and who they were supporting yeah it was very clear cut definitely and I think that's I don't know for any election I've ever followed that's the first time I've seen it so widely represented like usually it's a thing of you don't really ask people who they're going to vote for you know it's kind of almost a private but this year it was absolutely on every single public realm exactly so what story did you have this week Trudy? my story this week is actually an article that i recently wrote which is due to be published in the look 2021 which is dc style society's very own biannual fashion and lifestyle magazine so it is a feature piece on the Jonah Project, which is a non-profit organisation that empowers, educates and inspires young Irish women swimming against the tides of early adulthood. So the Jonah Project is now host to school workshops, events, talks and a really popular social media channel. And they reach over 250,000 girls each month on their social media. So kind of the backstory of it, and it's a really, really good initiative. But Tammy Darcy is the CEO and founder of the initiative and kind of her real pinnacle or defining moment in setting up the Shona project is that looking back on her teenage years she's now in her 40s but she experienced a series of life-altering events at the age of 14 that left her feeling alone and unsupported as a young Irish female so the breakdown of her parents marriage was followed by her older sister and her main beacon of influence Shona developing arteriovenous malformations which is like an acquired brain injury and so Shona who's now 43 requires 24-hour nursing care and she suffers with severe mental and physical disabilities and Shona's dream when she was younger was always to care for others and Tammy describes her as like a beautiful girl with a massive heart and Tammy identified that the one gesture both her and Shona were missing in the series of life-altering events was like a moral compass figure or a guiding female presence to show her and Shona in their struggles and let them know that they weren't alone and so between Shona's dreams and then Tammy identifying the need for this kind of reassuring voice among young girls who founded the Shona project in 2016. Have you heard of it Claire? No I actually haven't. 
Yeah, and I was surprised as well because I asked a couple of people and they hadn't heard about it, even though like if you look at their Instagram, they have a really good following and they're really like visual and interactive in their posts. But basically with the Shona project, they go to schools and they give talks and they do workshops, but they always run this reoccurring apology exercise is what it's called. And so um, Tammy would encourage the girls to write out an apology to other girls in the room and then it's read out loud and, you know, the girls might identify who it's about or who it's aimed at like this apology and then like she just kind of says because it was kind of like an interview I did with her so she said that like the room feels so much lighter and it's just such a weight off their shoulders but since COVID hit they obviously can't do any of that anymore but they really scaled up their resources online and there's like articles and self-help guides and videos and she also published the survival handbook for girls which is like this really lovely illustrated book to kind of be that reassuring voice for girls ensure that there's always like a constant reference guide for them in their times of struggles where young girls can like speak and listen to like-minded individuals or find that older sister figure they might never have had but it's really really good and they have like a virtual festival um in the pipeline for 2021 and they have loads of like online community aspects on the way as well they're really really good and i think definitely this year onto next year they get the platform they, they need by like you know airtime and all that kind of stuff they're in the probably the early days yet that kind of way yeah that sounds really interesting i definitely need to give them a follow yeah and even there's loads like even they would have done features on the ryan toberty show on rte and uh, on different kind of platforms so they are like in terms of coverage like tammy does get out there and speak about the project but i think interaction is the one thing that could kind of give them the the push they need yeah exactly yeah they're really really good so i think that does us for this week's installment of limelight so you can follow us on instagram at dcu limelight to keep up with all our shenanigans and we'll be back here next wednesday at 5 p.m where we'll have some brand new culture content to alleviate any lockdown blue so in the meantime you can listen back to all our previous shows on the dcu fm spotify and you can access this through the link in our instagram bio and i also just want to say that um, make sure to check out the Shona project it's really good really good initiative and you can give them a follow you can write articles for them or you can read the articles or message them on Instagram they're so good and they provide such a good facility for young girls so that's us Claire this week okay bye Trudy bye see you next week see ya bye